I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. It's November 3rd, 2009. The Toronto Maple Leafs are taking the ice versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Phil Kessel dresses, makes the lineup, gets out and plays. He's played every game for whatever pro team he's been on since then. So beside the fact that he has to be good enough to not get scratched for 990 games plus at this point, for years and years, 13 years, there's more to it than that. We talk about an Ironman athlete, and a lot of times we think about training harder and training faster and getting stronger. We talk about big muscle. But what about the longevity of an athlete? When do we start talking about what makes an athlete last longer, perform better at a higher level for a longer amount of time? Uh, kind of a different intro. Welcome to the Utah Puck Report. It's me, your host, Jay Stevens. And I'm here today with Casey Ruff, a fellow hockey player and a trainer. So, Casey, before we jump into everything, first off, welcome into enemy territory. Thank you. Deep into enemy territory. Deep into KSL. Your dad notoriously, not notoriously, your dad works for another channel, Channel 4, forever. I have grew up watching your dad. I've seen him uh, in the Utah Winter Games a long time ago. He made fun of me for giving up an own goal when I was, believe I was 17. Uh, so I still need to talk to him about that. But anyway, welcome to KSL. Thank you. I, I think I'd be disappointed if I don't like steal something from here or at least get like the company secrets or something. Yeah, I think uh, I'm sure we got a Book of Mormon or something. <laughs> Great. Like with a KSL. We'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably going to get edited out. I got to watch what I say. <laughs> All right. So Casey, tell us, like we play hockey together. You're a hockey guy. And I constantly have asked you uh, pointers and stuff about like I, I'll tweak something and ask you how to get better or fix it. But so tell us a little bit about your background, uh, your education, and what you currently do. 
Sure. Yeah. So I have my dad to thank for getting into hockey. He would take me to Golden Eagle games. Oh, yeah. um, I still remember the smell of the Salt Palace <laughs> yeah. and, and just fall, I absolutely fell in love with the sport. And so I've been playing from a very young age because of him. So I'm really glad he introduced me to that. I was the kid growing up that would take whatever Legos I had and I would just put them in a pile and play red brick, <laughs> bricks versus blue bricks. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that was my introduction to hockey. But no, I'm a personal trainer. My wife and I own Boundless Body LLC. Yeah. We are self-employed, essentially. Um, both of us work for a large corporate gym before the pandemic uh, for a combined 20 years. Wow. And the pandemic just shook things up. We were placed on unemployment and we needed to pivot around a changing situation. Um, we would have had to come back to the gym in May, early May of 2020, when we just didn't really have clients and the training business is 100% commission. So just with that situation, we decided to start Boundless Body so that we can continue providing services to our clients, which we did through the pandemic. You know, we worked out with people <laughs> everywhere in their basements, in their garages, on trees, on monkey bars. Oh. Oh, banisters yeah. of stairs like we got creative <laughs> and you guys had to and you ha like i've seen what you have downstairs and what you were building downstairs and it was it was awesome to see and you know if you follow you on instagram or bethany on instagram you get to see how dedicated you guys are to it and that's why i thought you'd be the perfect person to go to for this but you also keep educating yourself and educating everybody else you have your own podcast um I guess everybody's got a podcast now, Everybody right? has a podcast. Yeah, I've got like, two. Even, even me. Like, I even have a podcast. <laughs> um, so tell me just a little bit about uh, um, your podcast and what you're doing with that. Yeah, so Boundless Body Radio is really a passion project that I started um, back in October of 2020. Uh, po podcasting is special to me because that's how I learned everything I know now about personal training and nutrition, um, I would really call it an obsession. Like uh, there's not a second that I get in my car and listen to music. I'm always listening to podcasts. I'm always trying to find the experts, always trying to learn. And again, it's, it's for me, it, it was just this obsession about nutrition and training that really changed that. And so it was something that I really learned a lot from and knew that I wanted to do it. I really just wanted to do it right. Um, and it's been a great journey. You were one of our very first guests, one of my favorite <laughs> right. episodes. It was a great story. Um, and since then, we've been able to host all kinds of different experts, doctors, thought leaders in the space, lots of best-selling authors, and all kinds of people that I, I really pinch myself that I get to talk to them and have conversations with them. And I always learn something from each interview I do. It's really special. Yeah, I think it's awesome because you do learn. Like you said, you do learn something from each person, and now you kind of become a an expert, you specialize because you take a little bit from this, a little bit from that. I'm the same way with podcasts and, and my kids make fun of me for it because I'll go to the gym and I'll throw in my earbuds and uh, that gym that you used to work for yeah. seems, seems like a lifetime ago that you worked at that gym, <laughs> yeah, um, really but we won't want to say what it is, but, uh, but it, I'll, I'll just put in my earpods and I'll just listen to a podcast. And some of the ones I listen to are so over like they're four hours long or whatever. So you stay at the gym longer or you sit there and stare off into space in between sets and listen, but it, you get captivated by them and like you can learn so much and you've listened to so many and now you've had so many guests on that you become, I think you get like, it's like PhD level experience, but just being able to host it and do it yourself or listen to it. And, and you're so focused in on this one area. So I think, again, I think it makes you just an ex excellent guest and an expert guest to have in well, for this one. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. We always take the attitude of we want to be learning. There's not a lot of personal trainers that stay training as their career for 
their whole life, essentially. And Bethany and I decided that that was our plan A and we really didn't have a plan B. And so it's just part of what we try to do. We need to stay up on the latest and greatest and be up with whatever technology people are going to and always adapting and, and learning. But yeah, it's, it's, it's been really fun. And I, I just think the, the minute you're complacent, if you're trying to be the best at what you do is when you start to kind of fall off. Yeah. And I, I think it's easy to get the, I, I noticed that as a, as a hockey coach too, like, all right, I already knew all this stuff coming in and I don't want to learn anymore. I just want to teach what I know, but it's, it was better for me to keep learning and keep finding other things. And I didn't make up any of my drills. I stole all of my drills from people who were much more experienced and much, yeah, like 90% of my uh, coaching came from, from Shattuck St. Mary's. Like I stole everything I ever learned there and then being an e-bug for 25 years now, I've played for some pretty good coaches and I kept trying to build. I would go to those practices and intentionally write down whatever the drill was that that coach just put me through. And I've, I've been on the bench for some pretty good coaches now that are <laughs> NHL coaches now. Right. And I just start stealing from them. And I think if you don't, it's not stealing, it's learning, right? I learned it. And then I retaught it. That's right. It was stealing, but it's <laughs> uh, I think if you're not doing that, then you're not, you're doing your clients a disservice. Like, Hey, I already got this far. I'm just going to teach you this, and then we're just going to go on and collect a paycheck. But you're passionate about it, and it's more its more than a paycheck for you, and that's thats awesome. I think that's what every client deserves. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. People have different ideas of what a session with a personal trainer looks like. Um, I think a lot of people think we're there to count reps poorly, <laughs> yeah. uh, counting to 12 poorly. But, you know, in an hour-long session that we're spending with our people, we're workshopping, you know, not only are these people – really like our friends and our family we spend a lot of time with these people there's clients that i am willing to bet i know more about their personal lives than maybe their spouses maybe their kids like we spend a lot of time with these people like hairdressers used to they used to be the you're, yeah. you're a counselor now and you didn't mean to be for some people we're, <laughs> we're really inexpensive therapists yeah. for other people we're friends yeah. and, and support and for other people they're asking us questions what how should i be breathing through this exercise i ate this yesterday and i kind of felt weird four hours later what do you think is going on i got this you know cholesterol report from my doctor and he's freaking out and he wants to put me on a drug like we have to be up on all of that stuff because we cover a lot of that when we're just working with people in an hour-long session okay that's perfect that's like a perfect segue into what i want to talk to you about so because ultimately we're a hockey podcast so um how do we focus now? Because like I said in the intro, we've always talked about getting bigger. And like it was different for goalies, right? Like in college or whatever, or juniors, they would just tell me to go stretch. And they didn't want us to have big muscle because they knew if goalies – like well, like uh, uh, DiPietro from the Islanders, he was a big bodybuilder. He was always injured because he would tear muscles. Hmm. And they started getting really down on that. But now we're learning more like with, with TRX, with the other things that came out, we're like, hey, you know what? Long muscle actually works better. So, And there's a couple other questions. So I, I'm going to kind of give you and the listeners a guideline for what we're going to talk about. We're, we're going to talk about how to make an athlete stronger and how to make an athlete last perform longer like career-wise. Not just an hour on the ice, but how do we prevent injuries? Another thing I want to talk about, I'm telling you so that you can remind me yeah, perfect. That, so that we don't forget. Um <laughs> Tell me more about when do we start? Because I the most feedback I get from this podcast is from parents that want to know more about what their kids are doing. And this starts from eight-year-olds all the way up to kids playing juniors. And they get 
information from everybody, whether they're educated or not. Everybody's got an opinion, right? Yeah. So don't lift weights till 14. Lift weights earlier, whatever. So, um, and then some, I want to talk a little bit about the difference between uh, male and female athletes and some of that. And I was hoping your, your wife would be here because I, I know she's more. I know, me too. She's yeah, great. Yeah, she's a little more specialized in that. So if we don't touch on that too much, that's understandable. But so Phil Kessel, he's known for eating hot dogs. He's known for looking like an accountant, not a professional athlete. And here he's just set the NHL record. It's crazy, right? Like that's that's not what anybody expected from him. What's what are the right things to start looking at as an athlete? If you were if you were telling your eight year old right now, what what would you start having your eight year old do? Yeah. So I, I will start by saying anybody who's listening regardless of whether you play hockey or if you're just interested in it, I don't care whether you're 10 years old or whether you're 90 years old. You are a bodybuilder. You might not think like a bodybuilder, you know, what they do and they stand on stage and they flex, but you are building your body. You need to think of it that way. And muscle is absolutely critical for many, many different things. And so when we talk about muscle and we talk about muscle mass, we we don't necessarily want people to look like that stigma of what a bodybuilder looks like but you want to think like how am i going to build up my body we know that as people age it's harder and harder for them to maintain muscle mass they become anabolically resistant and so it takes more um strength training and actually takes more protein intake for them to maintain and we know what happens as people age they generally will have chronic diseases and then they take the fall you know that they can't stop themselves when they're 70 and break their hip and it's game over. So a lot of people think that it's a stability and a balance issue when that happens, but it's really not. It's a muscle mass issue and you need to protect that. So again, as we're talking about some of these concepts, this can be applicable for anybody at any age. Um, and, and strength training and muscle mass is absolutely critical. There's lots of different things that it does. It, It helps metabolically. It burns calories just sitting on your body so that's really beneficial it's one of the only storage places for the carbohydrate that makes it into your body so if you have more muscle you've got more place to store carbohydrates your body doesn't convert extra into fat and and again there's lots of benefits to muscle mass so is there any truth to the i don't want to call it a myth yet i'll wait for your answer but is there any truth to the the thing that people have always said hey don't let your kids start lifting weights or don't like till they're 14 ish. Do you know? I'm, I'm changing my mind about this currently yeah. with a lot of the people that I follow and a lot of people that I see, they're having their kids do physical things. And maybe it's not necessarily like an hour at the gym lifting weights, but these kids are doing like Spartan type exercises that Plyometrics are, and yeah, yeah, it's strength training. They're lifting heavy things. Okay. They're, you know, walking or running, scrambling up things. They're playing on monkey bars the way you and I probably did growing up when nobody plays on monkey bars except right. for young kids now. So I was always kind of of that mindset that like, yeah, 12, 13, 14 is when you should really kind of consider starting. I I don't know how true that is. I think if I had children, I would probably get them started on some simple strength moves pretty early, pretty what? early, six, eight. I don't, I don't think as long as a program is well-designed – and you're not going to overload a kid way too much. That's not to say that they can't be very strong. And thinking back on it, too, if if your kid knows about it, if, if I was to do it again, uh, my daughter is obsessed with fitness, and my son works out sometimes, right, Tegan, or once in a while? <laughs> but 
if I if I were to do it again, I think I would have introduced them earlier to working out, but not like maybe not weights. But I think if they just know it's part of the day, like it's part of our day now, and it is part of Tegan's day. Like we do something every day, whether we go to yoga or we go to the like I go to the gym every day. You can't tell, but I, I do. I may not work out when I'm there, but I'm there for like an hour and a half. But I, I want I want my kids to know that that's part of their life. And I, I guess I can kind of, I don't know how to say this. So I, I found a son of mine from a previous relationship that I haven't seen for a long time. This working out was never a part of his life. But when he started kind of getting into our life, he'd go to the gym with me and Tegan. And now he's like, I work out every day. I didn't know that that was supposed to be part of your daily life. Yeah. I thought you went to the gym every once in a while. Yeah. Or if you went to the gym every day, you looked like Hulk Hogan or right. you know, Chris Hemsworth or whatever. You can still go to the gym every day and be healthy and not have to be a bodybuilder. Like you're saying, you just have to know that that's part of, if you want, especially if you're going to be an athlete, even a weekend warrior athlete, like most of us that you should probably put some work into your body and stay fit. Yeah, agreed. And I think I should have introduced that earlier to my kids. Yeah, I it's it's interesting to reflect back on now. Um, we certainly try to avoid calling it exercise and call it more movement. What movements do you like to do and how can you fit some of that in every day? I mean, you think about the average person out there. The last stats that I heard on this were pre-pandemic that a, a normal average adult out there gets like 4,000 steps a day. And that's like probably to the car, to the office and back, all in the same temperature, yeah. not outside. They're not moving. They're not getting fresh air and sunlight and challenging their body with heavy things. And we see what's going on with the health. This is another stat that's pre-pandemic. In 19, or I'm sorry, in 2018, they estimated that 7% of Americans were metabolically healthy, meaning they didn't obviously have some form of a, a chronic disease or would have had a chronic disease diagnosed very soon. And that, again, was pre-pandemic. 7%. 7%. So 93. 93% of people were estimated in 2018 to be metabolically unhealthy. Good Lord. It's bad. It's really bad out there. And so, again, anybody listening to this, you don't have to be a professional. You don't need to start young. But movement is part of what we do and what we're supposed to do. There's a book called Go Wild. It's one of my favorites. It's almost 10 years old now. And it makes the point that like we've designed computers to beat us in chess, but we will never design a machine that can reach out and pick up a piece of chess piece and move it to the square that it needs to go with the grace and articulation that we can as humans. And the point being is, like, you think your head is for remembering, like, 1970s song lyrics and, like, <laughs> you know, your your neighbor's uh, phone number growing up. But your your brain is for movement. We have to move. And, and as humans, we are – we move in a lot of different ways. It's cool to watch something like the Olympics where you see all these top people in all their top sports. They all have very different bodies for different activities. And that's part of being human is we can do so many – different things but movement is part of that and yes i i believe that strength training and building muscle again unless you're taking you know exogenous steroids or something like that you're never going to be hulk hogan you're not going to be a bodybuilder the way we think about it but building muscle is very important and i think there's a lot of also um i think there's a lot of misinformation about what a strength training program should look like i think more people than not when they start a program 
do way too much. Okay. Way too much. And, okay, and that's typical. Like if you were if you're gonna do it, and I've seen this, Tina and I have seen this, and we've done it. You get into it, you're like, hey, I just bought a gym membership. I'm gonna go in the morning. I'm gonna go at night. Yeah. Right. Yep. And that's like you don't give your body the chance to recover from what you did in the morning. And but we're we're taught like athletes do two days. Yeah. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. So, all right, so now we've talked about it. We know we have to exercise. What are we doing? What What's out there now to help us not get hurt? So, again, I would continue to argue that having a decent amount of muscle and moving well is incredibly important. And my thoughts around strength training and programming for strength training have really changed over time. If I go back and read any of my personal training certifications, they all talk about something called functional training. So functional training is essentially where, like, if you tell me you're a hockey player, I'm going to think critically about all the stuff you do as a hockey player. If I'm a really good coach, I'll go even further and say, okay, what position does he play? What kind of movements does he do? Great. Now let's take those same movements and let's mimic those inside of a gym. So swinging a hockey stick, you could hook up a stick to resistance, practice swinging. You could jump back and forth like you're skating, kind of an explosive jump. Um, basketball players, I see basketball players practicing a chest press by throwing a 10 pound ball against a wall or jumping off a box. And that's kind of the pattern that we're in as far as the fitness world of the way people are training. They're trying to train for whatever their function is. I don't think that way anymore. And I don't train my people that way anymore. Okay. This was a concept that was introduced to me by a book called body by science by Dr. Doug McGuff and John little. And their argument is All of those activities that I just described to you are not hockey. Okay. Swinging a stick with a resistance band looks like hockey in a gym. It's not hockey. What is hockey? Hockey is on the ice with your buds, talking smack at a certain temperature with a certain amount of gear with your skates on. It's a complete context. So there's really not a very strong case when you think about it, that any of those activities are going to make you that much better at hockey when you actually play hockey in the context that hockey should be played on. Okay. So I think of the gym as a separate place to develop muscle that can then translate when you take that out into the world and go play your sport. If you're a soccer player, go play soccer with your friends in the context of soccer, practice drills with the actual weight of a soccer ball on the right surface. And so this type of workout that I recommend for people 
is it's called high intensity training, which is easily confused with what everybody thinks of high intensity training, which is actually high intensity interval uh, hits, training. Uh, hit training yeah, at the gym, right, yeah. right. Okay. With two eyes. That's right, the one right. that people know about. And yeah. that's jumping around, you're doing different activities, you're getting really sweaty. This is what I'm talking about. High intensity training is a different type of intensity. It's a really challenging muscular intensity that I like to take people to. You can do these workouts very briefly. It can take 30 minutes for a person to get through. 20, 30 minutes is really all they need. And when they're done properly, you can't do that type of workout more than one time a week. In fact, the more you do it, the more detrimental it is to do frequently. You need greater and greater recovery times between doing sessions like that. And a lot of people don't realize that. Now, what's important in that strength training session is you want to send a signal to your body that says your current level of strength is not adequate. It's the only thing your body understands. Your body doesn't know bicep curl, chest press. It understands Jay just tried to push something as hard as he could, and he got to a place where he kind of failed. So Frequently, yeah. There you go. Frequently, yeah. And so, so what we do, and you can do this in one set of exercises, you take somebody, you can put them in whatever exercise you choose. We focus on exercises that are compound movements. So think about squats, deadlifts, chest presses, seated rows, pull down, shoulder presses. They use multiple joints. We put people on the machine or whatever they're using, and we actually have them move a weight, but we have them move the weight very slowly. If you can imagine, maybe eight seconds, 10 seconds for each of the phases where you're pushing the weight up and pulling the weight back down. So you're moving this target weight very, very slowly until you get to this like really intense kind of shaky, like you can't really push the weight that much further. And then we have them stop and that movement is done. And I know that if we can reach that point, then we've sent a signal to the body that it has to now go through the process of making more muscle has no choice it only knows that you needed level 10 strength but you only had level nine and the body has to build more muscle it has to build more bone density it has to build more connective tissue and so doing workouts like that where you're taking somebody progressively and slowly to failure is safe for anybody to do i could do that with hockey athletes soccer athletes i could do it with a 10 year old i could do it with a 90 year old Okay. Nobody's going to get hurt moving very, very slowly because you can't really get hurt that way. You can even use machines. Machines are great for something like that. And so in that way, we're using the gym to build strength, to build muscle. And then we're saying, okay, great. We did that for however much time we did it for. Now go out into the world, do the movements you like, or go practice your skill and sport in the context that you would be playing that sport. That's kind of how I approach that. So just make yourself your whole body better make your whole body better for whatever you do see i i've seen that before um i don't know i it seems like 20 years ago it was just work out all the time and then you're right like i remember specifically getting into just goalie related workouts and i believe a lot of times in my hockey camps that i put on for 19 years i'd bring in the hottest like the biggest up-and-coming athletes to do the same thing and that's how they would train the guys. They'd be like, all right, this is what you do as a goalie, so this is how we're going to train now. But I see I see, maybe that can lead to some other injuries. But if you're better, if you're stronger whole body, um, and, and I keep saying something, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm using terminology that's outdated. But I talked about big muscle versus long muscle. Is that anything? Is that People have different... 
people have different proportions of different muscle tissue. I, in in my opinion, and from what I've studied, I, I believe it's the it's the makeup of slow twitch versus fast twitch muscle fibers, and yeah, people okay. are built a little bit differently. And in fact, I think like if you get to the top of any sport, you start to notice that the body shapes all kind of look a little bit the same. Yeah. You don't expect to see um, Usain Bolt, you know, winning the marathon because he doesn't have that body type. And I think a lot of that is related to how much slow twitch versus fast twitch muscle fiber somebody has. But that's another part of the misconception that a lot of people have about slow twitch and fast twitch muscle fibers. So most people think that slow twitch muscle fibers fire slowly and fast twitch muscle fibers fire quickly. It's not true. All right. So... What we're saying when we're saying slow twitch versus... Seems like the names are misleading, but yeah, go ahead. Well, it's it's referring to something else. It's referring to the fatigability of the muscle fibers. Slow twitch muscle fibers fatigue very slowly and recover very quickly. Fast twitch muscle fibers, they fatigue really fast and they recover very slow. Hmm. But what that means is since your body will not want to do more work than it absolutely has to do, when you're doing a slow set to failure, you're systematically working through and burning out all of your slow twitch, different types of intermediate twitch, and then when your body can't do it anymore, it starts to have to recruit fast twitch muscle fibers, but you're moving slowly. So by training in that way, again, you're hitting all of the muscle fibers. You can get more explosive and move faster because you're training fast twitch muscle fibers, but you're doing it in a way that you can't really hurt somebody. You're not going to injure somebody. And injury prevention is just, it's gone so high up in my priority with working with people. If you get injured in a session with me, we're game over. It's not good for my business. It's not going to be good for your health. Whatever momentum you had going is more likely going to stop and reverse at that point. You're probably going to eat crappier. And that people don't recover from that sometimes. And so we have to keep people healthy and we have to keep them coming back and make sure that they have the longevity to do whatever they want to do for the rest of their lives, whether it's hockey or whatever else their passion is. So you just hit on something else I wanted to talk about, too. Um, Eating crappy, because that's my specialty. (laughs) And my wife's always joked. My wife, uh, she's a fitness nut also. She works out at least once a day. She does, I mean, uh, most of anybody that's seen her knows that she's thin and works out all the time. She used to be a TRX instructor. She was a spin instructor. Now she does yoga at least every day, sometimes twice a day. Um, But she's obsessed with it. Even when we're on the road, like we just got back from Vegas. And we'd wake up in the morning, I'm like, well... It's Vegas. Like, what are we going to do? And she's like, we're going to go to the gym. And then we're going to go, then whatever, you know, like I'm game for whatever, but we're going to go to the gym first. But she, she also eats tons of Chips Ahoy cookies. And she's like, well, I work out so I can eat this. But I just saw this thing that talked about why you can't work your way out of a, work out your way out of a bad diet. And it's like, okay, you burn 200 calories here and you eat four Chips Ahoy or like three crackers or whatever and that's your 200 calories so now you're even whatever other cracker you eat now you're plus calories and is it true you want to be minus calories every day is that well first of all it depends on your goals but the way that people think about calorie balance and the way calories work it's 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 not very helpful it's like it's like if you ask me how to earn more money how, how do i become rich and i say well you need to earn more money than you spend that tells you what you do, but that doesn't give you any information. Right. And so what people think of when they're tracking calories is they want to eat less 
and they want to move more. If I stopped 100 people outside right now and asked them, what do I need to do to be healthier, lose weight? Well, you need to eat less. You need to move more. Imagine I invited you to a feast. Best spread of food ever. It's on me. Come over to my house. I'm going to feed you this amazing feast. Awesome. What are you going to do to be really hungry to come in for that meal? Uh, typically, I try not to eat. No, I don't know if that's true. I don't know because this sounds like when I'm going to to Cano's and I want to be able to eat everything I just paid for. So work out hard. Yeah, yeah. You work out hard. Yeah. So I just told you how to be very hungry. Guess what a diet does. Guess what a standard workout program does. It makes people very hungry. <laughs> It's not willpower. People are not lacking willpower. In fact, some of the biggest people you see have probably tried a lot more hardcore diets and workout programs than the average person. It's bad advice. When you lower your calorie intake and start eating less calories, and then you start expending lots of energy through exercise, especially, you're training yourself to be hungry. So back when I was working at that gym, I was using, um, it was, it's called a metabolic cart. It's a piece of equipment. Most people, if you've seen hockey players do VO2 max tests, it's part of their training camps and, and right, drafts right. and everything. That's kind of what we're doing. But we're also using that equipment to measure metabolism and how many calories people burn when they're resting. So a great way for me to kill your metabolism is to tell you to eat salads and go run, go burn off a lot of calories. You will become efficient with your calories. That's what people running and jogging are doing. They're teaching themselves to run on less calories. That's great. If you are running a marathon and you don't want to burn through all of your calories, you store glucose and glycogen, you want to be efficient. But that's the last thing you want to be. If you want to burn a lot of calories naturally on your own, that's where the strength training and building muscle, that's why your body doesn't like to do it because it teaches the body to be inefficient with calories. You will burn more calories by strength training and not restricting your food the way diets do. That will help teach you to burn more calories all the time in a way that you're not hungry. That's the biggest problem with the way most people consider the calories in, calories out balance. We don't want to look at it as let's let's eat less and move more so there's an imbalance. Why don't we move the right way and eat the proper amount so that your metabolism's high? So you're just burning more calories all the time. I don't I don't care at all how many calories people burn in one single workout. That tells me nothing. I would rather know that that person is burning a lot of calories and especially calories from fat, from stored body fat. That that tells me that person's going to be much healthier for the long run. Okay. Um what are you what are your thoughts on supplements cuz that's a huge industry and pre-pandemic I was taking a lot of supplements just because they were there all all the other guys have them um and 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 we take them. I don't. Obviously, we can't get too deep into this one. But uh, do you believe in many supplements? Very few. Same. Very I be- few. I basically believe in. And, and tell me if I'm wrong. I take protein. I take collagen, which is the number one thing I believe in. And then I sometimes will take creatine. I'll do like a creatine load or whatever. I'll go for a couple of weeks with with trying to do that, trying to take the five doses or whatever. But the creatine, the protein. And then collagen protein, I, those are the two, the only two that I really believe in. Is there something else, am I wrong, one, or is there something else I should be looking for? Those are some of my favorites. I got paid commission. You mentioned supplements are an industry. They are a huge oh, yeah. industry, make a lot of money, and it's completely unregulated. 
So I got paid for a long time to sell supplements to people on a commission, and we would just kind of throw the kitchen sink at them. Just take a multivitamin because if you have any deficiencies, this will cover it. Um, you take fish oil, take all this stuff, and we made money when people did that. Right. Now I want to know if somebody's asking me about supplements, tell me why. Why are you taking that supplement? What is your de- desired outcome so then we can see whether that's right for you? Protein, awesome. Most people are – it's really difficult to get as much protein – as they need. I recommend that people get at least one gram per pound of a person's ideal body weight per day in protein intake, animal-based, making sure that they're they're really yeah. focusing on animal-based proteins. Whey protein would be a good way to supplement that number. So yeah, whey protein's awesome. Um, you mentioned collagen. Collagen's amazing. If you can get collagen in the diet, even better. Right now, it's snowing sideways outside. So at home, I've got a pot with a chicken that's cooking all of the skin and the bones and the innards and all the collagen that comes from there. I'm going to go home and eat this chicken soup that is made from a chicken, not the chicken-flavored water bullion cube crap that I grew up on. Right. That has collagen in it. I'm getting lots of different types of collagen. So that's one way that you could do that as well without having to supplement. Um, Creatine is the most studied supplement on the market, and it just continues over and over and over to prove what an amazing thing it is. The latest research I've seen on creatine is all about mental health. So amazing stuff. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. Um, And yeah, it's been studied for a long time on, on, um, you know, the benefits of what it can do physically. That's one of many um, nutrients that is only going to be found in animal products. And so if you're eating a plant-based diet, you're going to be deficient in creatine. So that's a good one to supplement. Um, other ones to consider might be like some vitamin D. If it's deep in the wintertime and you're not able to generate enough vitamin D from getting out in the sun, that might be a good thing to take. Yeah, which is uh, hockey players don't spend a lot of time in the sun. Right, Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I'd usually want to know that that person is taking their vitamin D3 with a K2. Usually you see those two combined. I think it helps with the absorbability of all of that. Outside of that, I don't recommend a lot of supplements. Again, I would just really want to know what is the desired outcome and let's just make sure you're not like wasting your money. Yeah. I wonder if things like multivitamins actually cause more harm than good. I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've, so I worked for a a health and nutrition company. As you know, I worked, I worked for a company that went out of business, but not because of the product. The product was amazing. And one of the thing, the scientists that we had working for us, which were both billionaires off other things that they had created that everybody had had at some point in their life. Um, like they were very smart with their water and they sold water with a lot of vitamins in it. Mm-hmm. And they sold that to a big company, right? And there was the same scientists and they were like, look, most athletes, most people before they even step on to whatever they're going to do, whether it's going to yoga class or, or their daily or weekly hockey game, they're dehydrated. Yeah. And that number one knocks out most anything else you try to absorb won't absorb unless you're hydrated. And that also contributes to injury and longevity. Um, So anyway, that was, that was their big thing. But they also talked about the fact that, yeah, once you're hydrated and you bring in your, your body will only accept so many vitamins. That's why when you take supplements, you see so much yellow in your urine is you're just peeing them out. And that's most of the money you just spent is comes out as yellow pee and I, yeah, it's wasted. I think that can be true. And then it's a question of priority as well, right? Like if you're eating processed foods and garbage, taking a vitamin C gummy is not going to be like <laughs> the thing that transformed your life, right? Like you got to get the basics down. You need the fundamentals. And that's, I think, part of the problem. It goes with training as well. The training is 
fun and sexy and it looks cool and we see the athletes do it and the supplements. I'm going to spend 20 bucks and I'm going to get this magic benefit when it's like, nope, you need to execute the basics. You need to eat well. You need to eat enough. You need to get enough protein. You need to make sure that you're not overworking your body and recovering properly. And once you nail those things, those really fundamental things that are going to make huge changes and you can do them consistently, okay, now let's see if we can optimize. Maybe we can take a supplement that will take you to that next level. But I think most people would be just way better off just worrying about some of those bigger things. Just And that's they, they say it all the time, eat healthy, work out. All right. We've been going off for a while. And I know most of you guys turned, tuned in today to listen about hockey, but I'm, I hope we're helping uh, – you know, the parents, and now for the weekend warrior. Let's talk about the guy that has not stepped into a gym for a few years or maybe never was taught properly or what. You and I talked about this when I was on your podcast because I have what I would say. What, what are you going to tell somebody that's like, all right, I'm ready to take it. Like, I realize this is life or death at this point. Like, if I keep on the path I'm going, I'm going to get heavier, less healthy, and won't live as long. So what's what's your elevator pitch to one of those guys? What are you going to tell them? How, how are they going to get healthy? First of all, for that person, congratulations for getting there and making that realization and wanting to change. And I would first just want to say it's never too late. It's never too late. You can always make an impact. If you have no experience, hire a professional. It really does make a difference. Again, there's a lot of stigmas around what personal trainers are and what we do. And we all have different personalities and different backgrounds and different certifications, but hire a professional who knows what they're doing. Part of what we do when we're onboarding a new client is we take people through a a movement screening. It's, It's a standardized movement screen with seven different movements and three different clearing tests called the functional movement screen. And as I'm taking people through these movements, I'm seeing how their body is responding. We're scoring all the different movements so that now I can tell like, okay, like your lower back is really tight and your hips are really tight. That tells me how I'm going to program exercises, which exercises I'm going to give you in which order for how long, why I'm going to do it. That tells me some of that stuff that tells me which areas of the body it's a good idea to stretch or to practice mobility drills. And which parts of the body are not good to stretch, (laughs) which is totally a thing. I see people all the time stretching muscles that are already really elongated and are very weak that really should be strengthened, not additionally stretched that can exacerbate a lot of problems with things like posture. So having a professional take you through something like that, create a mindful program that you feel challenged, but that you can be successful with. This is very difficult, but I can do it. That's the level that we want to keep our clients at. I, I, I got to this point during this set where he told me to go to 15 or 90 seconds or whatever, and I got to 75 seconds, and I started to panic. I got a little bit of anxiety. Like, can I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can go another 15 seconds or whatever it is. Having a professional show that person how to do that would be the first step. And this is where I really have no problem with people using machines, Again, with with functional training, quote unquote functional training, people have became kind of afraid of machines and they started using dumbbells and kettlebells and TRX. And we certainly use all of those tools as well. But that's not to say you can't get a ton of benefit from just sitting in a machine where you know it's controlled and safe and you're not likely to get hurt. You can do great with just something like that. And so, again, having somebody program, look at you, understand your needs, understand your goals, and then take that to develop a mindful program 
and people think they have to stay with a personal trainer three days a week for the rest of their life. And right. It's just not true. Hire me for two sessions. Let's work some stuff out. Let me give you a program. Go do it. See what results you get. And that's what I was just going to say. Because people look at the intro and they're like, oh, I, I can't afford a personal trainer. But sometimes, well, one, that'll keep you from being that guy that gets filmed at the gym doing the, <laughs> doing the machine backwards or whatever, or getting thrown across the gym, um, which those people shouldn't be filming you either. But uh, also, it's great that, yeah, I'm going to come out. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to get a plan. I mean, you basically gave me my plan for free in a locker room because I just ask you a different question every week until I thought I had a pretty good mindset. So Love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm cheap. Um, <laughs> but it, it's, I think that's just sound advice. And if you don't, and some people are intimidated to hire a trainer, and I know this for a fact, And because as a captain with the fire department, I get guys that come through that are on my crew for a time where I'll rove into another station and they'll be on my crew and they're intimidated to work out in front of somebody that knows how to work out. And then we go to the gym as a crew, and I get an excuse. Well, I can't work out today because I strained something or whatever. <laughs> we get the excuses, or we get people that don't want to do it. And what I tell them and is if you can't, if you don't dare, or if there's just something stopping you, and that's fine, you're making the commitment. It's the big step for you to want to be healthy. So look on YouTube. Figure out, like... Google on YouTube or, or watch one of your fitness podcasts or figure those things out or get an app. There are other ways that you can do it where you don't have to have the interpersonal connection and take that first step and then maybe get a little more confidence and then hire the personal trainer. Whatever. Train. Yeah, whatever it is, don't don't not do it. Yeah. And because you do risk injury. And that's the, the whole purpose of this podcast was to get athletes out there um, without risking injury. Now, I really wanted to talk because we have a lot of parents that have female athletes out there, and there is a difference about how to work out, and especially on the nutrition, and especially as they get older. Um, maybe that's something we can talk to Bethany about in the future. Sure. Um, is there much on that you dare to touch on? Um, yeah. We've talked to lots of experts on, on female health. The biggest thing you have to consider, in my opinion, is is whether the female is cycling, and if so, where is that you know, in a period of her life, there's going to be certain weeks in a typical 28-day cycle where the performance is just not going to be the same and you need to make tweaks to your workout program, your training program, and probably also your diet. Yeah, Cycling in carbohydrates once one week every month might be a good idea. With men, it's a little bit easier because we work on kind of a 24-hour cycle. With women, if they're working on a 28-day cycle, that can be a little bit different. We do need to consider some of those things. Um, postmenopausal can be more similar to the way a man trains. And there's certainly some differences, but I think there's more similarities than there are differences. I'm telling you, if I had a professional hockey player and I had my 92-year-old grandpa and I had a 45-year-old stay-at-home mom, I, outside of their individual needs and outside of the way those people moved, I would not train those people vastly, vastly different. The principles still apply. I still prioritize muscle mass. I want to make people really strong. I want to push them to muscle. Well, I call it muscle success, but think of like muscle failure. Right. And I want to give you enough time to fully recover from that workout so you can come in and objectively lift more weight the next time you come in. And those principles apply. And we tweak and individualize and work with people on their preferences. And if somebody likes to use TRX straps or they like to use barbell, we work around that kind of stuff. But the same principles do apply. Um, I think with women, 
I think men suffer from this more than we talk about, but I think I think it's more well known that women will probably tend to undereat calories. They probably won't be eating enough. Um, and they'll probably have a tendency to do more cardio, especially the high intensity kind of cardio. And I just, I don't see a ton of value in that kind of area. Again, I think metabolically it's not great because it teaches people to be efficient with their calories. And I also see that that type of intensity, not only does it burn lots of sugar, lots of carbohydrates and make people crave sugar, but I, I see people overtrain and that's where the injuries happen. And again, that that's our top priorities. Exactly like you said, we want you to be moving very well and doing whatever you love until you are 95 years old. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, Casey, I, I can't thank you enough for coming in and I hope for if you're listening to this and you have the, you know, you have a young athlete at home, I hope that this gives you some guidance. If you don't, there are tons of references. Casey, t- pump your uh, your webs your podcast again. Yeah, so the podcast is Boundless Body Radio. You can find that anywhere podcasts are available. You can also go to our website. We have them all posting there automatically, which is myboundlessbody.com. And on our very front page, the first thing you see is a book now button that you can click and schedule a 30-minute complimentary consultation with us to chat about any of this. We can talk about health, fitness, nutrition, sleep, stress, any other lifestyle factors you want to talk to. We give that away for free anytime. So anybody can book that and we can we can definitely help you at least get started with a plan. That's perfect. So if, if you're listening and you have the young athlete, um, there's free half-hour advice Right there. I mean, you can get it right here in Utah. It's it's local and it's 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 hockey people, and they can help you. And I hope this helps. I know maybe we didn't get into talking a lot about local hockey, but I hope this helps the parents. I've I've been asked for it a lot. Let's different kinds of help with coaching and all kinds of stuff. So that's it was important for me to have you on the show, and I really appreciate you coming out. Absolutely, such a pleasure. Pleasure. All right. Until the next time, that's the Utah Puck Report. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.